I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleas, Tan Bettis, Michael Karen with us this morning. We've been talking about grapes. Uh, I did want to answer one question from a listener from earlier, though, guys. Uh, this person wants to know, can we grow fig or ficus trees in Salt Lake City, and then how could we insulate them over the winter? Ficus, if we're talking like Benjamin fig or some of these tropical figs that you'd see in Hawaii, absolutely not, unless they're houseplants. But fig trees, fruiting figs, may be a bit different. And I'll toss over the ball over to Mike to... Well, there, the answer is maybe. <laughs> you might be able to. So usually what happens with even the hardy figs is that uh, the tops don't overwinter. So the roots will stay alive, and that's the case with a lot of the figs, is is the roots will stay alive, but the tops will die back. And the problem with figs is that most varieties fruit on last year's wood. So if it dies back to the ground, then you, you, it'll grow back, but you won't ever get any fruit on it because it won't flower until the next year on that wood. There are some varieties like Chicago Hardy that will bloom on first-year wood, it just blooms late in the season. So you'll start getting figs coming on in September. And I have one in, in my yard, and it dies back to the ground. And uh, we start getting figs on it in September, and then um, we're harvesting. And they're small figs um, through till till it frosts again. The problem isn't so much that it's not necessarily winter hardy to the absolute cold temperatures that we get. But again, like I was talking about with grapes, it's the fluctuations in the spring that typically are the hardest. So when it starts to warm up and we've seen we've seen our tree where the wood is overwintered and it starts to bud out and then we get low, really low temperatures again, we might get back down in the teens again and then it's done. It kills the top completely at that point and then it really sets it back for putting out new shoots um, way late. Like we might not even see new shoots on it until late June uh, when that happens. So the answer is maybe. I, I have talked to people that have gotten f- figs and they can reliably get the, the wood to overwinter and they, they can get figs much earlier in the season. But that just depends on the microclimate in, in your yard. And the, probably the only way you're going to really know is if you buy one and try it. The Some people will go to – will take measures and wrap the tree in foam – uh, to protect the trunk and lower limbs, and they'll prune it back in the fall to just the trunk and three or four or five main limbs, and then wrap that all up in a white-colored foam tape and leave it until March, April to try to get that to overwinter. But the problem, as Mike mentioned, is if you take – it does need to come off you know, sometime in April, and if that starts to leaf out and it's hit by frost, you may as well have never – put the foam tape on there, but some people have success that way. I've seen some people dig around the root ball of the fig and they'll do a 180 degree circle, maybe a foot to 18 inches out from the edge of the fig and then push it over. 
with and what will happen is you've cut half the roots and when they push it over they'll cover that trunk and the limbs it's been cut back in leaves and a tarp and then upright it when and sometime in April to see if they can get it to grow. And it won't break. No, it won't break and if they re, they They're are really actually flexible really wood. flexible and aggressive yeah. growers and the roots regenerate fairly quickly. But that's a lot of work. It's a lot it of work. Is. Yeah. And so it's one of those things that you either let it die to the ground or do you want a hobby? Yeah, you could also do large pots. Figs do tend to do pretty well in large patio containers, and then you can bring it inside for the winter or even put it in the garage where, say, it's you know going to stay 30, 35. Because they're hardy down to about 10 to 15 degrees in general. And like Chicago hardy, brown turkey, maybe 5 to 10. But if you bring them in – and even an unheated shed and then move them back out sometime in April, they will uh, be fine. Yeah. But again, most of the problem is when the weather warms up and then it gets cold again and, and it kills the wood as it, as it has started to have sap flow. You can join us in the conversation. Number to call 801-575-8255. Phone lines are open. You can also text us your questions at 57500. I want to go back for a second. The person who wanted to remove one of those three grapevines is wondering if there's a safe way to remove the grapevine and then replace it with another vine. Yeah, so there's there's no there's no wait time required to replant a grape from one area to another as there is sometimes with older fruit trees. Uh, an easy way to remove grapes is, well, they're easy to remove depending on your soil type. So if you have a sandy soil, they tend to root deeper and, and are a bit harder to remove the stumps and things out of. But if it's more of a, a, a lesser well-draining soil like a clay loam or, or something that's a lot more loamy, the roots will be a lot more shallow. And it's probably not really all that difficult to go out there with a shovel and cut cut the main roots uh, that are branching out from the trunk and, and just giving it some good good old-fashioned hard poles and, and, and just get them right out of the ground that yeah. way. I think they were worried about the use of glyphosate. You said you could paint uh, the part that you were cutting. Yeah, it won't damage the other plants, but uh, if you want to replant in that area, then for sure you probably want to remove the existing plant. Now, when we do vineyard, like if we were to do a vineyard renovation, for example, or plant a new variety in a vineyard, we'd probably just go in and plant in between the existing plants and then go back in and just rip out all the other ones, and just kind of stagger that half spacing between them. But in a landscape setting where you don't have that much room, uh, you just just take a shovel out there. Maybe you'll need a small saw to get some of the larger roots out. You don't have to remove all the roots, just just enough of the stump that you want to put a new one back in that same location. Just give yourself enough room to do that. And so if they do treat it with Roundup, it's best done in the fall. And then in the spring, they would rip it out. But even in the summer, if they do treat it with glyphosate, then give it a couple of weeks to work its way through the root system. And by that time, it'll have worked its way through. And if glyphosate comes into contact with soil, it's bound up in the soil so quickly that it's not harmful to other plants. Yeah, the other plants won't pick it up. But uh, I have had where we did renovate an existing vineyard for the research trial. Uh, we we have had we did have for several years um, some that were not completely removed. Not all of the major root systems were completely removed. We did we did have them pushing out new shoots periodically, but it was pretty easy to go back in and, and remove those, and then eventually it was done. Uh, next listener wants to know what kind of light grapes need. So do they do best in full sun, or what kind of light do they? Need? Yeah, they really need full sun. So eight hours a day or, or more. I have um, part of my grapes are on the well, all my grapes are on the east side of my house. 
but about half of them get shaded by the house by about early to mid afternoon, and they're fine. They, they get they get morning sun and through till mid afternoon, so they don't get that later in the day sun. But I, I get great fruit off of that. But they they do need high light. Uh, next part of their question is. How do you prune grapes? Yeah. <laughs> you just say yes. Yes. Because <laughs> they grow so – they're pretty aggressive. Yeah. So grapes, they can be, especially if they're planted in areas that, that have high fertility. So the soil doesn't – you know, the soil holds nitrogen well or, the, or you're putting it on because you've got a garden or a lawn in the, in the area. So grapes, there's really two main ways grapes are pruned. Um, and then there's training styles that, that – you work with either type of this pruning system on. Uh, grapes are either pruned where they have permanent arms and they're pruned to the spurs on each arm that produce the fruit or they don't have permanent arms and the arms are replaced every year with, with new canes. And that's, that's just simply called cane pruning um, if they're renewed every year and spur pruning if the arms are allowed to get older and remain for, for a number of years. And um, most people are, are just simply afraid to cut the wood off and with with grapes, we're usually removing um, o- over ninety percent of what grew last year is is removed in most cases. So, for those of us who may have not done a good job of pruning, in some cases, like so, my grapevine's probably thirty years old. I'm not sure exactly how old it is, but I have this big kind of stump where it originated, and now at this point, there's I'm afraid to touch that at all. Yeah, so like I was saying earlier, it, there, there's a couple ways to go about renovating older, uh, say, neglected vines. And one way is is to just to cut them back partially and try and get them trained up into an area where, where they need to go. But what's more common uh, in, in the industry is if they're renovating, say, a neglected vineyard, they actually come in and cut them off about six inches above the ground. Just the whole plant just comes off. And they, they have about a 90% survival rate when, when this happens. There's always some weak ones that don't always come back from this. But then they, that gives them six inches at the base to produce a lot of new shoots. And most of them will send out several new shoots at the base. And at that point, then you're, you're starting over. You have a new shoot. Usually you'll have one or two strong ones. And that becomes the new trunk. You train it up on the wire or the wrought iron or whatever you've got. And uh, within – because you have a, a big established root system on these, uh, you can refill it on the wire that first year and you can be back into getting grapes the, the second year. I'm really surprised at how well this particular vine does for me. Like I said, it's pretty old, but it sends out a number of – it'll send vines every direction Yeah, if I wanted to. Halfway to Idaho. You know, they Seriously, just keep going. They yeah. are. Yeah, they're – what you'll find, though, without pruning um, grapes is that they they tend to always be putting the fruit – because they fruit on last year's wood, if they're not pruned and rained back in, then, then the fruiting wood tends to move out of your yard and into your neighbor's yard over time. And, and they also end up with a lot of foliage and a lot of growth that um, can be actually detrimental to fruit production in that you don't get um, – you get a lot of fruit clusters, but they don't ripen evenly or even ripen at all because there's too much fruit or there's too much shading of the lower canopy by the very top canopy. And so as, as with fruit trees, um, they're, they're usually – these types of plants are usually selected because of their productivity – and they have to be managed for that productivity. Otherwise, they kind of um, become self 
um, I don't know what's the word. They, they kind of limit themselves in how much they'll produce because uh, they, they tend to become more vegetative and not produce very good fruit. I'll be honest. Mine's turned more into an ornamental vine. Yeah. Haven't and they been do so have, concerned about the grapes, I guess. So they do have ornamental vines. Um, people ask me, well, what, what's a good grape for my arbor or, or, or to grow over my patio? And I'm like, one that doesn't produce fruit because it, it tends <laughs> to be a mess. Be, it yeah. drops. It's hard to prune them. Um, the birds will come in and eat them. And then you have bird mess and those kind of things on the patio. Uh, but there are varieties. Some of the American varieties of grapes actually have separate male and female plants. And so there are nurseries that sell, um, say, like male male versions of those plants. And so they never uh, produce fruit. Wow. And that's what I recommend. Okay. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. Thank you so much for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Phone lines are open 801-575-8255. You can text us 57500. Uh, Next listener says they bought some grapes uh, to plant in the fall and they never got them planted. Now they're protected, but outside, will they survive the winter and come back in the spring? Most likely they'll survive just fine. One, One way to really help ensure that they survive is to actually uh, bury the roots as just put the roots in the ground so that they're not experiencing such wide temperature fluctuations as they would if they were above ground. And and to do that, I just actually just simply dig a hole and just set the pot down in the hole in the ground. But usually they're fine. I, I would, I would totally expect them to leaf out again in the spring. If the ground is frozen, they might be able to buy a bag of compost or chipped bark and then put the root zone in the pot into that chip bark and that would probably protect them well enough yeah but even if not i mean that that's what i would consider best practice but even if not most likely they're still going to be just fine as long as the soil in the little pot there is moist it stays moist during the winter you know i'm trying to decipher this next text so maybe you guys can help me i hate autocorrect it does weird things but what the text says is they have flame grip flame grape vine good crop 2022 when do I crop and how much? What, do, can you make sense of that? Yeah. So um, they probably me. have flame seedless. Okay. Which is a variety that is uh, it's a grocery store variety. They also uh, grow in, in Idaho um, quite substantially in, in the Boise area. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they got, a, they got a good crop. I mean, it would be helpful to know how old the plant is and, and how much they, they harvested off of it. But they're typically pretty vigorous vines, and so, you know, spacing them 8 to 10 feet apart. 
Um, the 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 harvest fluctuates widely on the years. Like we've been tracking harvest data for the, for the last I think six years now, and it's really variable. Uh, there's so many factors that go into how well the fruit's going to set, how well the buds overwinter, and those kinds of things. So uh, I've I've had anywhere from you know five or six pounds per plant to over, to over um, thirty pounds per plant based on variety and just what whatever the conditions are for that year. So it can vary a lot, and that that can be a little bit frustrating for people. I think even more so than what fruit trees might vary. So I I don't think based on the information that we have in the text we can give a good answer on what to expect. Well, I thought you did great in yeah, deciphering. I didn't get any of that. Is marginally hardy here also, and so if we yeah. get below ten degrees or wherever they're being grown, if it gets below ten degrees. That would severely damage them, and then that would just take his crop down to almost nothing. Okay, yeah, flame so isn't one I would send recommend. More information. Yeah. It's four okay. years old. The four years old. Four okay, years old. so it's okay. just starting production. Okay, so at four years old, that's that's about the first time you would actually start to be able to get a marketable harvest or something that's measurable. We typically expect grapes to to hit their full harvest potential at about year six. So my guess is that you you may have better harvests come year five and six, and then it will probably kind of stabilize um, after that. Okay. Next listener says, uh, this is Dave. Uh, is it possible to grow in Utah the sweet eating grapes found in grocery stores? And if so, what variety do you recommend? So that's a good question. And generally speaking, the answer is No. And I know there's, the phones are going to light up because people are saying, well, I'm growing Flame, right? I'm growing Thompson Seedless. I'm, I'm growing all of these grapes that they have in the grocery stores. But they're not reliably hardy, and, and so they, they tend to suffer a lot of damage. Now, Thompson Seedless is a grape, just as an example. It's a, and, and this is because in California, they don't have the cold climates that we have here, so they're growing European grapes. And European grapes are not as winter hardy. They're they're typically considered hardy reliably to about zone seven. And there's a lot of variations there, but that's kind of the general working number, which is which is more southern Utah kind of. Well, and they're gonna come back climate. on us and say, Well, we've been redefined as a yeah, seven, and that is that is true, but also false. And it's a little <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a mixed blessing. Daily temperature yeah. the daytime temperatures reflect more of a zone five six nighttime temperatures are kind of a seven well when you think the about overall heat we get during the winter isn't enough to sustain a lot of these california or european varieties well what happens is that they might they might be able to handle the winter so so zone seven that's just based on average winter hardiness or average winter cold temperatures so granted over the last 20 30 years our average winter low temperatures have become warmer so that's what elevates the the usda hardiness zone rating that we have but what it doesn't change is the spring frost that we get the, the early fall frost that we get that are really really damaging to plants like grapes and so we might we sure we might be a zone seven technically in a lot of areas along the Wasatch Front, but does that mean that you're going to be able to grow zone seven um, crop plants like grapes? Probably not. Well, if we could, we would have pomegranates, right? Reliable figs, some of like the Thompson seedless and red flame grapes. Right. So we'd be growing more of a cold Mediterranean fruit mix that we just can't do. Right. Hardy palm trees and we'll will survive. Find 
Well, find people that are growing these, even palm trees, right? They're overwintering them in a certain mm-hmm. way. They, they found the right micro, microclimate. So technically, there are areas where people can make it work. But generally speaking, uh, you're not going to have reliable good success with growing these warmer cultivars. Yeah, 85 to 90% of the Wasatch Front is unsuitable right. for growing them unless you want to do a lot of manipulation. So what would right. Dave be happy with? Would there be a, a vine that he could plant he'd still be happy with? Not yeah, quite absolutely. when he gets in the grocery store. Yes, absolutely. So um, some good some good cultivars, for example, like if you wanted a red grape, um, like Canada's is a great one. Um, if you wanted uh, like a green grape, like Marquis or Himrod are great are great varieties of seedless table grapes. If you wanted a purple one, um, you could go with something like um, Jupiter or seedless Concord or Tomcord is another one, a hybrid again. That, that's a Concord Thompson seedless hybrid. So I've talked to gardeners who their neighbors can grow Thompson seedless, but they can't because they don't have the right micro microclimate. So again, these European varieties are just really iffy in in our in our area. Okay, uh, we have about twenty seconds here. Uh, this person has a property at fifty four hundred feet elevation. Can they grow Rainier cherries? Yeah, they should be okay if they're on the Wasatch Front. Okay, we're going to take a break for the top of the hour news. More, We'll talk more grapes when we come back. You'll be able to call us at 801-575-8255. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.